Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This episode of The Warriors Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar we fucking love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes that experience better. Look, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. It's crazy fun. I've done it for years. But watching a game in a spot that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID stole that from us for a while, and the ACO is giving it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge and legitimate TVs, and their full complement of great food, service, and drinks. It's big. It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warriors season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food, I love their space, I love their TVs. I even love that it's basically family-friendly. I can go here, get hammered with my friends and get too passionate, or I can roll with my wife and kid and just enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Warriors huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus or Maxime today, but I'm fired up to announce rejoining me after way too long. The B-Writer for the Bay Area News Group during the Warriors dynastic run. The current West Coast specialist for NBA.com. And a guy who just wouldn't call Marcus Smart dirty, regardless of how many times I tried to get him to do it during our last pod. Mr. Mark Medina. What's going on, Mark? And Bram, I said it was a dangerous play. D- tomato, tomato. How about this? I didn't build Marcus Smart on any of the all defensive teams, and partly because of that dangerous play against Steph Curry. So 
Uh, I don't know what else you want me to do. Nothing. Okay. So when you first started with the tomato, tomato thing, I started getting annoyed. Was going to be like, no, no, no. I want it dirty, not tomato. But if you're leaving them off of any all NBA honors, including all defensive team, then look, problem solved, man. You are right back in my good graces. Phenomenally well played. Now, let me be clear. Um, he he <laughs> was not on any of my teams. I know that that might be controversial. Other people certainly voted him not just to be on an all defensive team, but first team or maybe even defensive player of the year consideration. But his exclusion had more to do with like all of the other candidates and what I liked about him. But hey, it certainly didn't help that he dove into Steph's legs. You know, Mark, tomato, tomato, whether or not it was the other people or you think he's crazy dirty, we'll never really know, dude. But Jokes aside, so it's you and I up front here. Connor's going to be joining us in the next, I don't know, 10 to 15. And outside of actually shithousing Marcus Smart, there's a little bit of a method to my madness. You guys are perfectly suited for today's episode. You both covered this team during the dynastic burn. You both know exactly what it takes to go on a tear through the playoffs. And because of that, you're both pretty well suited to at least give us some predictions, a sense of how ready this Warriors team is to embark on a playoff journey. And I'm so fucking fired up for it, to be honest with you. I have banged my normal setup. We are not going to do glass half full. I didn't even ask for golden questions. Instead, we're going playoff centric today. And I came up with a new segment that I'm fired up for. But before we get to either that playoff segment or even playoff predictions, let's start with probably the most important question I'm going to ask you. So I know you attended Warriors practice. Give me a Steph update, man. Is Steph going to be playing on Saturday? Any information you have, I'm interested in. So uh, what'd you find out? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I can't give you any like practice insight because I'm still in L.A. Um, I'm going to be up in San Francisco for their games against the Nuggets for game one and two at Chase Center. But, uh, you know, my access was just through remote. So I can't tell you any intel on how he looked at practice during the times that he was uh, – you know, available during, you know, when the media were let in. But I can tell you this, I was on the Zoom calls and basically Steve Kerr and Steph Curry both suggested that he's playing for game one on Saturday. Now, you know, Steve Kerr in particular hedged, look, they got to look to see how Steph's body responds during Friday's practice and obviously leading to Saturday. But the reality is he did three six-minute increments in scrimmages today. Uh, Steve Kerr said he looked really good, liked his conditioning, as far as he knows, says that there are no setbacks. So there's a lot of optimism that he's going to play in game one. And considering the stakes, um, I think you may as well pencil him uh, to be in a Warriors uniform for when the playoffs start. Let's um, use a phrase I use way too often on this. If you had to bet something that meant a lot to you, a rent payment, a car, something, you had to bet whether or not Steph is going to play on Saturday, which way would you bet? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could bet anything you want here. I could bet the uh, my phone, TV, computer, anything on my bookshelf here. You know, a nod to Marcus Thompson. I could bet the Steph Curry book, Golden for what Warrior fans. There's some, you know, if you want to read about Andre Iguodala's selflessness, I would bet his book. I'm starting to feel um, like you've set up this whole book. You know, if you want to, if you want to set up some dark times, you know, read about. LeBron's win against the Warriors okay. in 2016, I, any of these books. Somehow you knew I was going to ask you this question because I think these are all just props. I don't even think there's words inside of that books, but to peel through the uh, the humor, it sounds like you are virtually confident Steph will be out there on Saturday. Yeah, he will be down there Saturday. He's going to start. Now, I think the, the unknown 
are two things. What his minutes are going to look like, you know, Steve Kerr said that he's on a minutes restriction. He's not going to be not going to be playing 30, 35 minutes. Steph Curry is saying, hey, hopefully there's some wiggle room. So I, I don't know for sure what the exact minutes going to be or what the rotations are going to look like. But I am confident that Steph's going to play. He's going to start. And frankly, I think he's going to look good. Uh, maybe not the 100% Steph, but if you look from a historical lens, when he's come back from injuries, yep. he's been pretty effing good. Yep. Uh, in the 2016 playoffs, that 40-point game, against Portland, I'm back. you know, 2018 playoffs, New Orleans. Um, you know, he had 28 points, but he was gradually increasing his workload uh, in time to help the Warriors make another NBA championship run. So not only is Steph Curry really effing good, but he's also really effing good after coming off a long injury. So but I, I love Mark. So the, one of the reasons I think our podcast works so well with one another is that we both have a lot in common, but we also have some like, big, bright differences. And this is one of them. So I set up, I, I knew that you're in LA, but the way I described your participation in practice left us with the inference. Oh, Mark must be in the Bay area. He's heard all of this. If that was me, if somebody did that for me and I knew I wasn't at the practice, but I also knew everyone else was listening. I just let it stand. You know, I didn't lie. You know, it was what it was. And I love that who you are like, no, no, no. Let me, let's, let's have the truth be told. I was only there on the call. So good for you. Um, but this follow-up has to do with the calls. How do he sound? Did he sound pretty confident? I mean, Steph tends to wear his personality on his sleeve. Did he sound like someone who was worried about a nagging injury? Did he sound like somebody who was happy to be, be back? I mean, what, what was your perception? I mean, look, uh, practically Steph Curry admitted he doesn't feel 100%, but then again, when does any player feel 100% at this point in the season? Yep. Uh, he was pretty you know, honest about that. But no, I think that uh, – you know, his optimism about his availability, but his body language expressed it all, that he was very joyful. I mean, he said, I never enjoyed practice so much. Kind of reminded me of, you know, hey, Alan Iverson would never say such things. So I think that there was kind of like a giddiness to what Steph was talking about of, you know, you look at this kind of slice of life, something basic for an NBA player of participating in practice, scrimmaging. And he kind of sounded like cloud nine as if he was, you know, getting a training camp invite. Uh, and, and just being a guy that wants to show that he's worthy of cracking the rotation. Uh, I think it's safe to say he showed the Warriors he's worthy of cracking the rotation. So, I have been telling uh, a lot of optimism. Don't share this with anybody. This is just for you and I. We don't want anyone else to hear it. But I've been telling people, and I'm not sure I believed it, but I've been telling people that, look, blessing in disguise. This Steph injury is helping because he'll be rested. He'll be healthy. He's going to have a break that most players wouldn't have right before he enters the playoffs. How true is that, man? Like, am I, am I stretching this a little far or is there some glass half full with the injury? No, there, there's some elements of, I think, validity there, but I think I'm looking at this whole dynamic as a Venn diagram, right? Like you have some really uh, negative connotations, but like there's a, ha a happy medium. And the reality is you look at the consequence of, you know, both ends of the spectrum. You have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. They haven't played 11 minutes together yeah. um, beyond that this season. And on one hand, like, it doesn't matter because those guys have played in five finals together, right? Yep. And their muscle memory. But you have a whole core of players outside of Andre Iguodala and Kevon Looney and Damian Lee that haven't played with those guys as a right. trio beyond those 11 minutes. 
And so I'm wrestling with that question, like, does it matter? Yeah. And on one hand, maybe it doesn't matter against the Denver Nuggets uh, because the Warriors have enough to withstand, you know, the, the, the danger that Denver presents with yeah. Nikola Jokic, but they don't, it's unlikely that they'll have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. But maybe it does matter when they face, you know, the Phoenix Suns or the Memphis Grizzlies yeah. in later playoff series. There is a formula, I think, for the Warriors to become a championship team. But unlike previous years, it's not like, hey, you have Kevin Durant right. to rely on. And no, so I, I think it's an interesting um, puzzle. And <laughs> excuse me, honestly, like the Warriors would obviously – much prefer that security blanket of having Kevin Durant and kind of the continuity that they had during the dynasty years. But there, this whole dynamic, I think, feeds their competitive curiosity that they know that nothing is guaranteed, but there is a pathway yep. that they can have success. So they're leaning on the fact that, hey, we have the equity, we have the culture, we have those star players, but they're also mindful of, hey, we have a lot of questions we have to answer. And so it's on us to be able to address them. I'll tell you right now that if you'd turned around and pulled out a book from that bookshelf entitled Competitive Curiosity, I would have called bullshit. I'd be like, okay, this whole thing is scripted. You knew exactly where you were going. Mark, let's hop into this new segment. I'm excited for it, which doesn't always mean anything. Sometimes I get really fired up for new segments and they just fall flat on their fucking face. Other times they soar. So we'll find out. This one's called the elevator pitch. And here's the idea. So that term elevator pitch is a Hollywood term. And really what it means is if you're somebody who wants to get a movie made, you've got this idea for a movie, but you don't have the money to actually make it happen. You suddenly find yourself trapped in an elevator with somebody who does have that money. Then you make an elevator pitch. You explain in about 30 seconds why you know an idea is a good one. You, you sell a concept to someone else. And I'll tell you right now that I use elevator pitches for sports all the time. You know, 90% of my television watching is with my wife. When I put on a game, 99% of the time, she doesn't give a single shit about it. And I have about 30 seconds to explain to her, no, 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 here's why you care. You know, sometimes that has to do with sports. It's the playoffs. It's somebody's last game. These are the stakes. Most of the time, it doesn't. It has to do with other stories that are out there. So for this segment, the elevator pitch, I'm going to give us a topic, and then we give an elevator pitch about that topic, right? Here's our first. Why can Golden State win it all this year? Give me your elevator pitch. The elevator pitch is just listing the names on the roster. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, all coached by Steve Kerr. They won three championships in five finals appearances. They know what it takes to win another title. So different circumstances than the dynastic years, but they know the championship formula. Steph, best shooter of all time. Draymond, one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in the league. Clay Thompson, second best shooter of all time. Andre Guadalla, jack of all trades. You can read more about Andre in this book called <laughs> The Six Man. There you go, elevator coach. <laughs> Nicely done. Pulling it back. All right. I'm going to give you my elevator pitch, but first I want to make this episode a little bit more entertaining and let's get some background. All right. So, uh, Connor, as I said up front, is set to join us today. And we've we've exchanged texts. We've talked about it. Also, I've seen this movie before, Mark. I know that right before the playoffs, your guys' schedules get pretty tight. And there's a chance that Connor won't join us, even though he really wants to. So right now, I want to bet you a drink 
Um, I will bet you a drink that Connor does not join us. We're going to get through this podcast and Mr. Letourneau will not uh, have joined. What do you think? You want to make that that wager? Yeah, I, I would lean toward that. But knowing how Connor is and, you know, he has uh, the uh, I think the right intentions. He wants to make this work, but busy schedule. He's going to join us for like the last five minutes right, of the see. podcast. He's Love he's it. ready to share all yeah. his gems. We're kind of punch drunk, kind of ready to sign off. It's the equivalent of, you know, when you're inviting someone to go to happy hour, meet up for drinks later on. And it's yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm really, really late. And they show up like 10 minutes before last it's 100% call. True. It's like, sorry, we're heading out. No, it is what's going to happen. He's going to give us answers that are too long, you know, and we're like, oh, like, I don't care. We've already talked about this, but we'll see. And I stick by and let me make it crystal clear. Uh, Connor has the best of intentions. I know he wants to be here with us. And if and or when he doesn't show, it's not on him, but I do think that's going to happen. All right, back to the show. Also, quick illustration of how much I love fucking gambling. Before, I was kind of resentful that Connor hadn't joined us. Now, like, I'm kind of excited. We'll see what ultimately happens. But elevator pitch, Mark, far more important. Why can Golden State win it all this year? Well, you've nailed most of the pieces, man. The Warriors' big three have played only 11 minutes together, and they still ended up with the three seed. I believe what I told you about Steph, that if he comes back to close to, let's say, 90 95%, and he has the benefit of having rested over this last week, another giant advantage. And this supporting cast this year with people like Jordan Poole, with Porter Jr., with GP2 the second, isn't just talented, they're mentally tough. So if we put all that together, you've got a talented team led by a megastar and a top 15 coach who has championship pedigree, unmatched playoff experience and the kind of motivation that only comes when hall of famers think the rest of the fucking league has forgotten about them. So is there an elevator pitch about why the warriors will win it all? Of course there is Mark. Of course there is. Now there's reasons to be concerned. I wasn't even going to ask you this because I wanted to keep it just optimistic, but I'm going to be uncharacteristic. Let's make this an even keeled podcast. Take me to the other side. Elevator pitch. Why should Warrior fans be worried this year? Warrior fans should be worried this year for a number of reasons. Steph Curry is amazing, but he's coming off a foot injury. Hasn't played for more than a month. Clay Thompson's been knocking off Russ after missing basketball for two and a half seasons. Draymond Green is knocking off Russ after missing basketball for about a month. They've only played 11 minutes together. Those three know how to play together. The rest of the team doesn't really. There's a lot of young, unproven guys on the roster. Maybe they have the right intentions but this is a results-oriented business in high-stakes playoff games. This isn't about learning moments. That's for the regular season. Playoffs, it's about getting it done. And then you look at the competition. The Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul's still healthy. Devin Booker's uh, an MVP candidate. Uh, they have the Coach of the Year candidate, Monty Williams. The Memphis Grizzlies, they're the real deal. John Moran, one of the best young stars in the game. Another Coach of the Year candidate. And Taylor Jenkins. Um yeah, this pathway is not like the dynastic years where it was wake me up until they meet Cleveland in the finals. This is a, a wide open league uh, right now, and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I hate you for saying all that, but you're right, you know, um, and really it's the same points said differently for me. You know, so before I tried to use them, those, those three guys only playing 11 minutes together as an upside. Of course, it's a downside. You know, I've, I've heard Steve Kerr drop a quote today that during this first round matchup, they're going to be using lineups for the first time all season. You know what you don't want to be doing during the playoffs, Mark? 
playing around with matchups and lineups is, is, you know, doing some kind of testing when you need to be doing winning, you know? And so if there's a lack of defined roles, and this is something that you and I talked about the last time we had you on, that's the thing that concerns me the most as a Warriors fan is that there are still things this coaching staff feels they have to learn. And that's not the kind of quotes you want to be hearing when you're entering the postseason. Yeah, it's a lot of fair concerns, but you know what? I'm going to straddle the fence here just so you don't jump off the ledge. There is maybe some reason why you should feel giddy about what Steve Kerr said, because the new lineup combinations that you haven't seen all season is Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala playing on the floor again. True. Uh, so that's great. And then the other lineup combinations is, hey, which role players can we mix and match while all four of those guys are wild, all three of the stars with Steph, Clay, and Draymond are on the floor. So kind of first world problems. Maybe that'll at least uh, call me enough so you don't want to jump off uh, the ledge there. Oh, I so like it. It, it cuts both ways. The reality is we don't know which way it's going to fall. Again, first round against the Denver Nuggets, maybe it's going to make you feel really good that, you know what, the Warriors are really up and good now and remember what it's like to watch postseason basketball. But maybe later on the playoffs, it flips the other way. We will never know until they actually play the games. If I had a bookcase behind me, I'd reach back, grab a book entitled Giddy, subtitle First World Problems. And, you know, we'd all yeah. be on the same page uh, I'll tell you what, Warrior fans are actually fairly optimistic. So I, I threw this question out on our social media. All we have is Twitter. Got a bunch of responses, but two were most popular. I want to read them to you. You tell me if you agree, all right? Here's the first one. So the question they're answering is, why can Golden State win it all? Quote, our talent and chemistry. We have one of the greatest big threes in NBA history, the best point guard to ever live, greatest defensive our greatest defender of our generation, the greatest three and D to ever live with loads of young talent, defensive specialists and athleticism. That was uh, at Steve Kerr underscore ACC. How much do you agree with that? Is that Steve Kerr's burner account by the it way? Might be, you know, it might be uh, the, <laughs> the greatest three and D to ever live. I'm not sure he, I'm, I assume he's talking about Iguodala and I would imagine that Steve Kerr might not feel that way having played with Scottie Pippen, but are, you know, maybe dude, like he definitely could have, but, <laughs> That as just a paragraph of optimism. Do you agree with it? I, I agree with all the reasons. It's just how does it line up with the rest of the league? You yep. look at uh, the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Those teams have star talent, great continuity, great team chemistry, great coaching. Maybe that's enough for them to get past the Memphis Grizzlies because collectively they just haven't made a deep playoff push. You look at, obviously, the first round against the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I think just from top to bottom, the Warriors are a better team. You look at the rest of the Eastern Conference. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, uh, a hot mess of every team, whether if it's the Brooklyn Nets, because who knows what Ben Simmons is going to play. Kyrie Irving, he's masterful as a player, but very, uh, you know, unpredictable as a leader. The Sixers, James Harden, will he break down again? Maybe so. Uh, but the reality is getting to the NBA Finals is going to be challenging enough because the Phoenix Suns are showing that they didn't just get to the NBA Finals because every team in their way was injured last year. They got to the NBA Finals because they're the real deal, and they've really uh, repeated that formula this season. The Memphis Grizzlies, look, they might have that inexperience technically, but they've shown that they're not afraid and that they're using their young uh, athleticism to their advantage. They have kind of this old school soul to them. 
as far as their work habits, but they're also taking advantage of the fact that they're really young and able to get after it. Here's a remarkably random question that I meant to ask you up front. And I want you to use all the connections at your disposal via NBA.com, which I know are considerable. What the hell was that woman trying to do when she tried to glue her fit, her wrists to the floor? Like, do we, has there been any information on that, Matt? Like what she was protesting? Was she protesting? What kind of glue did she think was going to hold her there? Like, what was the plan? Any details you can give me, I'm, I'm so interested in. Yeah, well, I'll preface my answer that I didn't do much research or really do any reporting on this because I wasn't responsible for that game. But from what I read, loosely read, um, I believe that she was protesting something with the former owner and Glenn Taylor that um, there's some other business that were doing things that weren't like environmentally savvy as it pertains to like how animals were treated, something along those lines. Okay. There was some sort of protest with that. Yeah, it was really weird. I've just never seen anything. I, I, I'd love to get some kind of like a skit or a documentary that played out how she thought those events were going to go. I mean, like, did she think that she goes out there, she glues her hands or her wrists or something to the court. And then she thought someone would try to peel her off. And then they're like, no, it's glued. We're screwed now. Please give us a speech about whatever your topic of protest was. Like, I just, I, I just not sure how she thought that was going to go anywhere, but I digress, man. Let me give you uh, another elevator pitch. And this one, is just as important. Who is the current NBA uh, title favorite and why? I think the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they got to the finals last year. They mostly kept the same team this year. Um, Warrior fans, I don't think, will roll their eyes at this idea because they knew the value of him. Uh, I think JaVel McGee is kind of an X factor in that missing piece of their championship puzzle. I mean, so, so much when I talked to JaVel McGee uh, this past year, he was saying, hey, before I signed as a free agent, I was watching the Suns getting, you know, DeAndre Ayton getting in foul trouble in the finals, seeing Giannis dominate. And he was thinking, you know what? I'm the missing piece here. If only they had me, maybe they'd win a championship. And look, like, I don't think that he's speaking out of turn here. When you look at that, um, they need depth at that center spot because DeAndre Ayton is this uh, rising young star, but sometimes he makes mistakes. And there are teams that they'll have to get through that even in today's NBA, that it matters if you have size. You, yeah. you know, you look at the Denver Nuggets, for example, with Nikola Jokic. If they meet the Bucks again in the finals, you got Giannis. Um, but I think the bigger thing is obviously is Chris Paul, unlike the years in Houston when they clanked 27 consecutive threes against the Warriors, you might remember that. Chris Paul's body isn't breaking down. He Yet. is as durable as ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Look, I got no stakes in this. But the one thing I will say is, to a man, I never wish injuries upon anyone. So I'll just let whatever Bram says speak for itself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so far, Chris Paul has not repeated the uh, ills of the Clipper years and the Rockets years. Devin Booker is becoming a complete player. And they have, you know, I think Warriors strength in numbers 2.0 with all their, their role players. Um, really good culture. So yeah, they're, they're the favorites. You just did the impossible, Mark. You just made me more annoyed with Phoenix. Just the idea that JaVale McGee is, is holding himself out as like the linchpin to a championship. How about we all settle down a little bit as JaVale being the key to anyone's title? Um, my answer... Well, my, wait, did you not like JaVale McGee with the Warriors? No, I definitely did. But at no point when JaVale was winning championships here did I think to myself, you know why we won that chip? 
JaVale. Like a lot of people, a lot of people just don't know how great it is. No, JaVale is a friend of the podcast. I went to a practice real early on. I mean, it was like one of the first practices I'd been to and they put JaVale up on a podium and nobody noticed. And it was just me standing in front of a podium and, and JaVale. And I fired off a bunch of terrible questions. And because I was the only one there, he answered. So no, I've got nothing but love for JaVale, but I, I have something other than love for JaVale, the championship maker. I do not fucking agree with that. Uh, my elevator pitch, I think, is just built on resentment towards Phoenix because your answer I agree with, but I'm not going to give it. I'm going to say Milwaukee. And the, the shortest version of that is they have the best player on earth. Hurts me to say that in Giannis. And they have a system that doesn't need to change that's already won them a championship. You know, all those questions I was just saying I'm worried about for the Warriors, none of them exist for Milwaukee. If Middleton gets his shit together, and he probably will, they're going to be one hell of a tough out. And if Antetokounmpo is anywhere near the force he was last year, there's a real reason to believe that he'll get there. And to be fair to you, Mark, Giannis isn't JaVale. I mean, but there's only one JaVale, you know? So, like, you can't have one of those on every team. Let me answer this question, Bram. If Chris Paul were not on the Suns and instead they had a faceless 36-year-old point guard that's destined to be in the Hall of Fame, defiant father time, but it wasn't Chris Paul, would your answer be different? Do I have any kind of a history with this other 36-year-old point guard? Is he also a giant bitch who I've hated my entire life? Because if the answer is yes, then my answer doesn't change. If the answer is no, it's just the skill set, none of the personality, then yeah, man. Um, I would, (laughs) let's see. My answer would change. It would, it probably would be Phoenix, but the only thing that would prevent me from doing that is that Milwaukee now has actual championship pedigree and experience. Phoenix made the finals. They know what it feels like. And generally speaking, you need to do that once. So they're there. That's an advantage for them. But if I was looking for any like objective reason to tell you why it would be Milwaukee, it's because they've won it. They know what it feels like. And Phoenix doesn't, but it, your question is well taken and well formed. You're uh, you're not too far off. All right, let's get to the main event. Here's the elevator pitch, but it's really a transition. Why will Denver V golden state be good television? Because the Warriors uh, are part of that matchup. You got Steph Curry coming off of injury. You got Clay Thompson, his first playoff game since that injury in the NBA Finals uh, against Toronto. Uh, basically, this is the Warriors' first playoff game itself, period, at Chase Center and for the first time since Oracle Arena uh, shut down. The Denver Nuggets, yeah, they're a fun matchup. Nikola Jokic, um, I voted him second MVP. You could make a case for him to get MVP again one of the best passing bigs in the NBA, probably the best passing big in the NBA. So there's a lot of fun elements, but the main thing is it's the Warriors and they're always fun to watch. We've got Connor in our waiting room. So I'm going to let him in here in a second, meaning that you've won our bet. Nicely played. I'm now like, what a strange thing betting is because I really want to talk to Connor. And now I'm kind of disappointed that he's in our waiting room because I'm going to fucking lose this bet. But first I'm going to give our own elevator pitch on this series. And then we'll let Connor in and have him kind of catch up. Um, elevator pitch. So if I'm talking to Erica, right, I want her to watch this, although she'd be in this anyways, because it's the Warriors, but the pitch would be this series features a championship pedigree team that everyone has lost their confidence in. You've got clay Thompson looking to regain what he knows he has, what warrior fans thinks he has, but the league thinks he is completely lost. We've got Steph Curry coming back from an injury and people are doubting whether or not he's going to come back at hundred percent. We've got Draymond green who hasn't been to the dance for a while and is most likely going to be hated 
while also, you know, hopefully participating on the floor in a pretty fantastic way. So even if you weren't an NBA guy, if all you wanted was just storylines, this series is rife with them. Let me go ahead and take my loss. Here comes Connor. Can we do the slow clap? That's not, that's not really like slow cap is reserved when people leave. I feel like not when they come in, you know, like you can't slow okay, clap that, somebody. We, we got to get the going. chase center crowd going like that. <laughs> Mr. Letourneau, we got you. Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry for the delay, my friends. You actually, you ended up being a phenomenal source of entertainment nonetheless. So I'll bring you up to speed and then we've got some questions for you. Thing you should know now, and I, I actually wouldn't tell you this if I didn't think you were one of the guests who listened to their performances, and I know that you are one of them. So I bet, Mark, whether or not you were going to be able to join us today. We said that you had the best of intentions, but we also knew that you were going to be really uh, under the gun. So I guess that you were not going to be able to join us, and Mark had your back, man. So you've already cost me a little bit of money today. Nicely played. In, in fairness to me, Steph was literally two hours later to the podium than we thought he would be today. Um, so I'm blaming Steph Curry today. It's I mean, yo, you joined, dude. There's no one to blame. You actually ended up being uh, being completely responsible. So there's no explanation necessary. All right, so yeah, here's Connor. You're here to save the pot. I was making it go off the rails. So that's true. No, Mark's been terrible. Sure. Mark's been fucking terrible, and we're really going to need you to help out. Um, but there are some things, some backwards looking questions. I'm going to throw your way, Connor, and then we'll pick up where we left off. Backwards question one. So we talked about Steph. Mark gave us some great information, what he picked up from the Zoom call. But he also added he wasn't there to be or he wasn't able to be there in person. I know you were, man. Did you watch him play? What would you watch? What would you see? What are your takeaways on Steph? I actually didn't really watch him play because I, I had to go talk to Steve Kerr. But, uh, you know, what I've seen from video and just talking to him, um, it's an interesting situation that they're in because – Basically, what he's attempting to do is is definitely not ideal. Um, keep in mind, this is a guy who, as of yesterday morning, had done nothing since the injury sent other than some light on-court individual shooting. And now here he is after 18 minutes of scrimmaging, uh, poised to start in a playoff game. So um, he's on the very front end of the timeline for this type of injury, an injury, keep in mind, that he has never had before. Um, so there's a lot of kind of red flags here saying, is this really such a good idea? I mean, no. there's definitely, it's definitely not an ideal situation. Do we really want to rush him back here? But um, Steph Curry's different. Steph Curry is different than you and I. He's different than the average NBA player in a lot of ways, obviously in terms of how he plays and his brilliance on the court, but also like physically he is different. He recovers from injuries different than other people. He is incredibly in tune with his body. And I think this is a situation where the Warriors training staff and the Warriors as a whole are kind of trusting him. They're kind of trusting him that he knows what he's doing, that he feels right. And uh, yeah, they're going to throw him out there, it sounds like, on Saturday and and hope for the best. I mean, the season is hanging in the balance, so uh, you might as well see what he can do. This is not a surprise. I've been reading your work, including the recent piece you wrote about Steph's return. And in there, you talked to a, uh, a foot specialist. I think it was Cedar sinai uh, When you talk to them, did they give you any reservations? I mean, obviously, they, they're, they're not treating Steph, but they've dealt with this injury a million times. And I know you added that there was a bone bruise that we didn't hear about before. 
did this surgeon suggest like, oh, if it was my patient, I wouldn't necessarily let them come back on Saturday? Or was it a green light from that guy too? Obviously, the guy I talked to, even though he was a consultant for the Lakers, he, he hasn't worked with with Steph. So he can't he couldn't give that type of proclamation whether or not this is a good or bad idea because he doesn't know all the nuances of Steph's situation. None of us really do. Uh, but he did say that the bone bruise is a sign that it's a severe sprain. Um, and it's a, it's a serious sprain. And he said that when you're looking at something that's that severe, you almost never come back within a month. And today was the official month anniversary, so to speak of the injury. And so, based off what the, the specialist was telling me, this is early on that timeline. And uh, he was a little surprised that Shit. Steph could be returning for game one. Hopefully we're doing the right thing and trusting Steph. I won't poke at that anymore because I don't want any more concerning information. I hope he will be totally fine. Next question, which will bring us up to speed. So what we've been doing, Connor, just so you know, in addition to betting on your presence, is we've been doing elevator pitches, right? The idea is you, you get a topic and you have 30 seconds to sell that topic. We've sold a few. The most recent topic is why will Denver be Golden State be good television? So if you're convincing my wife or other fans who aren't necessarily basketball centric, they just want good entertainment in their life. What's the elevator pitch to watch this series? Um, <laughs> there's, there's a few, but I'll, to, to be concise, I'll say you're, you're, you're seeing a matchup between two of the best players in the world. And those two best players happen to be the ultimate contrast of Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry. I mean, these are two guys who are MVP caliber talents going head to head and their playing styles really couldn't be much more different. And so that alone, I think makes this much must watch TV. Nikola Jokic is my MVP pick this year. And Steph Curry, if he had remained healthy, would have been right in that discussion. Uh, two top five players in the league going after each other in an elimination setting. You can't go too wrong. All right, boys. I got some series questions. Some of these were given to us by listeners. Some of them are mine. You'll probably be able to uh, recognize the ones I put together. Here's the first, and I'll admit you, it's mine. Who's the most hateable player in this series? You can give me one from each team if you like. To give you a little bit of time to think, I'll go first. So on the Warriors, there's an easy answer. Everyone's going to assume it's Draymond. From this, what I'm giving is Denver fans' perspective, right? Not, not Warrior fans. There's no most hateable players on the Warriors for Warriors fans. But Denver fans' perspective, I think at the end of this series, the person they're going to hate the most is not Draymond Green. Surprise answer here for me. I think it's going to be Gary Payton II. I think he's going to be an irritant. I think they're not going to be ready, not only for his personality, but for his skill set. He's going to be that guy for opposing fans who are going to start by saying, who the fuck is this guy? And then at the end, be furious about how he's participating. So I think it's GP2, who's going to be the most hateable, at least from Denver fans' eyes, from Warrior fans' eyes. This was kind of a hard one. Their roster is not super hateable. You know, like Jokic, you know, he's, he used to be this super overweight kid who's now become this like unbelievably talented NBA player. It's hard to hate him. But the guy I'm pulling, and I'm going to screw up his first name, Fukando Campazo, 
I just remember disliking watching him. I remember disliking his face. Great first name. Sounds a lot like the F-bomb, but uh, he's my guy. It's going to be hard for him because he's serving a one-game suspension. Uh, he's not going to be there for game one. But I think that's the guy who Warrior fans are going to dislike. Mark, why don't you tackle this one first? You don't have to give me one for, for each team if you don't want, but what player will be most hated by opposing fans at the end of this series? Well, Bram, I, I think you make a good point about Gary Payton, but I, I have to go conventional with Draymond, not just because Draymond's Draymond and he's got the reputation, but look, he's going to have one of the big tasks in defending Nikola Jokic. And so it just seems inevitable that Draymond's going to be a big part of this matchup. And obviously he's a very physical defender. The Nuggets, the best star player, is going to uh, see if he can uh, you know, punish him with his brilliant passing and scoring. So Draymond's number one. With the Nuggets, look, I know that you say Nicole Jokic isn't hateable, but I'm sure Markeith Morris would love to log on to this Zoom call and say <laughs> you're effing wrong, right? So I could see there being an instant where Nicola just gets annoyed and does a sequel with that. Um, but I, I would put my odds more on Facundo Campazzo. Um, I've talked to him last year about his style of play, and while I think it comes from like the conventional – hey, I'm from Argentina and I just play with a lot of passion. There is a lot of recklessness to it. So if you really hate Marcus Smart, Bram, uh, Facundo might uh, eclipse him in this season. Yeah, I mean, you, you see all the, saw that push he had against Wayne Ellington, like inexcusable for so many reasons. And so, you know, I don't know if this one game suspension will uh, have him learn his lesson. I'm just looking forward to saying the word Facundo multiple times over the next 10 to uh, 14 <laughs> days. Connor, who do you got? I think for the Warriors, I got to go with Jordan Poole. Um, <laughs> it's a good answer. <laughs> uh, Jordan has been one of the most effective scorers in the NBA uh, since the All-Star break, and I think he's going to be an X-factor of sorts in this, in this series. Um, there's been a lot of speculation that he very well could start. Uh, which I think would make a lot of sense um, that that Steve could kind of switch up the, the starting lineup and plug him in there. Um, but regardless of whether or not he starts or comes off the bench, he's going to be really important. And if you look at what he did against Denver in the regular season, the Nuggets really had no answer for him. He hit um, a couple big shots late to, to help uh, the Warriors seal their only win this season over, over Denver. And I think just his swagger, his oh, yeah. creativity, his, uh, you know, his kind of uh, stylish play is going to really wear on Nuggets fans over the course of this series. And then as far as Denver, as you guys kind of mentioned, like that roster is relatively benign. Um, so I'm going to go with a guy who's probably not even going to play in this series. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, he has... You ever have just got people you, you don't even know really, but they for whatever reason they just kind of annoy you? Like Sounds people like you, you just see a lot. <laughs> I mean, I know you, Bram, so one hundred percent you can you can understand what I'm talking about. You just describe um, most of the people in my life, Connor. Of course, are there yeah, people it's just I'm like annoyed maybe by? Maybe someone like you everybody. see a lot, or or maybe even a celebrity who you've never even met who just kind of like <laughs> annoys you, rubs you the wrong way. For, I can't even fully explain it, but Michael Porter Jr. There's something about his cockiness and and like swagger even before he ever did anything in the nba just kind of bothered me so 
I know that I will personally be annoyed by him, even if he doesn't set foot on the court throughout the series. Hey, Connor, amazing answers, dude. Both ways. The Jordan Poole thing, I completely agree with. He's mm-hmm. one of those guys where he's one of your own. You don't even notice what he's doing. Steph has an element of this. You know, when, when Steph does the celebrations, when he's turning around before the ball goes through the court or he's doing the shimmy, Warrior fans, I love it. But I can see on the other side, that would drive me crazy. Jordan Poole has a bunch of that energy. So I love that response. The Michael Porter Jr. thing, am I annoyed by him? Of course I am. But that, that you know, that's true for 95% of the people who do not play for the Warriors. So I agree with you. And if Warrior fans are annoyed with Michael Porter Jr. at the end of a series in which he doesn't play, then I will be really impressed by that. Um, you, know, but you, you could certainly be right. And he does have an annoying presence about him. Here's my next. Who has the better coaching in this series, in your guys' opinion? Either of you can go first. Go ahead, Connor. Okay, I guess I'll take it. Um, that's a good question because I think Steve Kerr and, and Michael Malone are are some of the best in the league right now. Um, I'd go with Malone though, simply because he has to do more with less. Um, it seems unlikely that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., much to Connor's relief, aren't aren't going to be playing. Um, and so I think that he's going to have to get creative. I think Steve Kerr will also be the first to admit this. Like Steve's an amazing coach. And I think generally speaking, a lot of Warriors fans like overreact too much to his rotations and all that. But, you know, when he evaluates his strengths, he never talks about like X's and O's or drawing up plays uh, where Malone is considered a really good tactician from that standpoint. So I think from there, um, Michael Malone has the edge, but I think where, you know, Steve Kerr's, you know, real value is going to come into play. It's just, you know, how he manages, you know, all the personalities, you know, whether it's Steph Curry with coming off his injury and, you know, being the guy that says no when it comes to his minute restrictions and his rotations and then empowering, you know, a lot of the role players that just haven't been on the stage yet. I'll back that for random reasons. So I'm going to say that Denver has a coaching advantage, but I'm going to hedge it. Here's how. So I, I've said a million times into this, mic how much I respect Steve Kerr. This doesn't change that at all. The reason why I think that Denver is going to have an advantage as far as making moves based on coaching in this series is because of what we talked about a little earlier, Mark, that Kerr doesn't have a sense of what to expect with this roster. If we view a you know the coaching decisions as chess moves, Kerr hasn't had enough opportunity with this roster to know what moves are going to make what changes, right? It'd be like playing a chess game and not knowing what the piece is going to do when you move it. You know, you try to move the, the pawn, but suddenly it goes diagonal as opposed to straight. That is a disadvantage for him. He has not had enough time with these teams in the consistent roles to know what his decisions, you know, how they can impact a game. And because of that, they will be at a coaching or coaching rather disadvantage. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I completely understand your point, Bram. Um, it's a really interesting question because I like Steve and I like Michael Malone a lot. I do think that, you know, obviously when it comes to the playoffs, the the little X's and O's wrinkles and, and uh, that kind of stuff matters that much more and I think we've seen at times in the playoffs when, when Steve is playing a really good tactician um, 
he he often is outcoached. I mean, I hate to say it, but I really do feel like Steve was severely outcoached by Nick Nurse in the 2019 finals. I know the Warriors were dealing with a lot that series, but I just I just really liked Nick Nurse's creativity and and I I just you don't see as much of those wrinkles and, and like X factor decisions in the playoffs from Steve. Um, but all that being said, one someone who I think is really impor- important to pay attention to in these playoffs is Mike Brown. Um, and that's because for two, that's for two reasons. Mike Brown is a in charge of the Warriors substitution pattern and this, the rotation is going to be really fascinating to watch with the Warriors in this series. Uh, there's a lot of questions, obviously incorporating Steph back when he's going to be starting on a minutes restriction. That's going to be really interesting. As I alluded to earlier, they very well could shake up the starting lineup with, with Jordan Poole. That's going to be really interesting. And then also Mike Brown is in charge of the Warriors defense so what does he kind of pull out of his sleeve uh to go to do against Jokic you know they they gotta they gotta surprise Jokic a little bit at times in the series and it'll be really fascinating to see what Mike Brown comes up with. I love that I'm gonna give uh to make this next question kind of fun I'm gonna put up some of my own money boys so what I want is a random prediction no parameters. Just give me a prediction of something's going to happen. Doesn't have to be who wins. Nothing like that. I'll go first to give you a sense of what we're doing here. But I'm going to put up 50 beans of my own money here. So if either of you, or if I get it, I'll keep it. But if either of you hit your prediction on the money, my check will be sent off to your bank account. All right. Here's my prediction. It's a random one, and it's two part. So I'm probably screwing myself. It is one part. One Jordan Poole is going to have less than. 10 points in game one and is going to have more than 20 points in game two. My, my thought here is that JP is going to be pressing a little bit up front that he hasn't played in the playoffs yet, that he's viewing this as his big come out, um, which it is. And I think that he's going to not play up to his usual standards while pressing in that first game. But then I think he gets his shit together and comes out gangbusters in, uh, in game two, by the way, I think the Warriors win both games in one and two. That's not part of my prediction. Just the Jordan Poole thing. There's mine. What do you boys got? Mark? Connor, you want me to go first or you go yeah. first? Yeah, you go first. Oh, man. I I, I don't think Jordan's going to be less than that. Part of it because of Steph's, you know, even though he's going to play and start, he'll be on a minutes restriction. I think that, uh, Jordan Poole will be between 10 and 20 in game one. And then game two will be above 25. Give me another one though. Don't take my, I mean, and it can be, it doesn't have to be. Oh, I thought, oh okay. yeah. You, another that, one. Okay. Yeah. Really all you said is Bram, your prediction's wrong. Fuck yourself, Mark. I mean, we'll find out, dude, but what's <laughs> well, your prediction? Fuck you, Bram. <laughs> um, let's see my prediction. Steph Curry game one, even on a minutes restriction, he is going to finish with, 32 points. Boom. I like it. All right, Connor, 50 beans in the balance, buddy. What do you got? Now, do I have, does it have to be exact 32 or it can be like above 30? Can I? Too late now because you've already said he's out oh, 32. So I, you <laughs> are locked in, buddy. Pull that book behind you that says specificity and we'll know that uh, you should have nailed that. Go ahead, Connor. Hey, what do you can, I, can, can I do a, can I do a pull golden. prediction though? Can I do a pull prediction? Sure. Uh, I'm going to say Poole has north of 20 points in both games one and two. In fact, I'm going to say Poole goes off for more than 20 in every game in this series. Uh, 
I, I think that Poole is going to be huge. I think that Poole is going to live up to the moment. If you remember, he was phenomenal for the Warriors in the playing tournament um, in that elimination game against Memphis. He was like the only guy who had it going. And he was a far worse player back then. Like he's gotten a lot better in the past year. And um, I really think that he is going to be a huge factor in getting them over the hump against the Nuggets and getting them onto that second round against Memphis. I love it. Last three questions. Question one, if there's going to be a fight at some point during this series, what two players are most likely going to be involved in that fight? I'll go first because this is kind of an unusual question, although it's one I've done for every playoff series we've ever talked about on this podcast. Here are my two participants, DeMarcus Cousins, random as hell, right? And Gary Payton II. Here's my scenario. (laughs) I think GP2 shits on DeMarcus. I think he dunks on him. I think that's going to happen in this series. I think that both of their current physical abilities is going to lead to that happening immediately. When it happens... I see GP2 doing one of his celebrations that we've seen in the past. And although DeMarcus is no longer the player he used to be, he is still just as petulant, just as sulky as he always was. I can see him taking that hard, and I can see him having an altercation with GP2. So do I actually think a fight's going to happen? No. But if I had to guess if someone was going to be involved, those are the two guys who I would throw into that ring. Uh, What's your guys' guess? I think that Draymond and Jokic are going to have one of those like fake NBA fights where it's like a sh- little bit of a shoving match and then yeah. their teammates get in between them. Yeah. Um, I think that Draymond is going to be peak irritant Draymond in this series. He's going to pull out all the stops to get under Jokic's skin. And there's just going to probably in like game four or five, there's just going to reach a little bit of a breaking point for Jokic where he's just going to be like, F you, bro. Like, I am so sick of your ass right now. And he and he's just going to snap at, at, at Draymond and uh, and they're going to, you know, shove a little bit and it's going to last all of like three seconds. But um, that's what I that's what I would say. And I but I really like your prediction with DeMarcus and GP2. Honestly, the fact that DeMarcus Cousins is playing meaningful minutes for the Denver Nuggets <laughs> speaks to the Denver Nuggets lack of depth right now, which is the biggest reason why. I think the Warriors are going to make relatively quick work of the Nuggets. So I'll tell you to, to be transparent, and then it goes right over to you, Mark. But I was looking at the roster today in preparation for the episode. And I, I've been kind of nervous. I'm always nervous when it comes into the playoffs, and I just want them to do well. And I was kind of nervous until I got the reminder that DeMarcus was on the roster, and then I had the exact same thought that you did, Connor. It was like a security blanket. I felt so much better knowing that Cousins was there because it shows the state of their injured roster, that they need this guy not only during the regular season, but he's going to play real minutes in the playoffs. That's encouraging. But back to the fight. Mark, who do you got? Well, hey, Bram, uh, before I share my answer, uh, so I know the rules of the game, hypothetically, if I had the same answer as Connor, would we both get some money for you for having the right There's prediction? There's no money on this we have- It's just uh, the prediction one. There's no money on this fight one. But I, but I tell you what, if you do answer the same thing and there is a fight that goes down, I will buy us a six-pack and we can watch a replay. Of nice, nice. Well, yeah, I, I'm with Connor that it, it seems inevitable it's going to be Draymond and Jokic because that is going to be the key matchup to watch. Draymond's going to do what he can uh, to get under Jokic's skin. Draymond's not like a dirty player, as you guys know. He's all about, you know, really mastering the fundamentals, but it's inevitable. He wants to trash talk a little bit. 
And Jokic eventually is going to get frustrated, not just with, you know, Draymond, but the fact that, you know, the success is all on him and that can only go so far. So I think with that, it's inevitable. There's going to be the fake NBA shove. There's going to be some technical fouls, uh, you know, splitting the difference. And then I think also you're going to see a repeat of, remember back in the day, when Shaq was on the Lakers and he just dunked over Chris Dudley and pushed him to the floor like he was nothing, and then Dudley threw the ball at him, really exasperated and frustrated, you're going to have Jokic try to throw the ball at Draymond in frustration. Thankfully, nothing that mirrors the Draymond Markeith Morris episode. We don't want it to cross those lines, but you're going to have some fun theatrics of all the things I outlined there. Do you know how happy I am that Dudley ended up being Jokic in that analogy? I was so worried you were <laughs> going to make him Draymond. So yes, dude, nicely played way to, uh, now, to stick. Now to be clear, Draymond's not going to be like posterizing Jokic and push him to the floor. No, 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 it's keep more it he's, he's gaining him under his skin and Jokic will throw the ball. <laughs> he's going to posterize him. I'm going to take your first answer and we'll be deleting that <laughs> second answer. Second to last question, Mark, keep the mic. Who will have the highest scoring performance in this series so the most points in a single game Curry. i mean he he shoots the three ball at steph curry and i think that when you look at his you know injury history and you know i know to credit connor he alluded to this a little bit in the uh the interviews uh today with staff and steve kerr he's had a pretty good track record of scoring a lot of points i mean you look at 2016 against portland he came off the bench still had a 40 point nugget um, you know, when he came back uh, against New Orleans in 2018, uh, I think if memory serves me correct, it was 28 points in the first game, but he had some 30 point performances after that. And I believe in the regular season against Memphis, he had a 30 point performance after coming off a different ankle injury. So, you know, injury history and the fact that it's Steph F and Curry, uh, he's going to be have the highest uh, shooting performance and he's going to be motivated after Draymond shits all over Jokic and Jokic is throwing the ball at him you know so he'll probably go for 70 Connor I'm going to change the question and cheat a little bit you and I a while back had a conversation about Kaminga and more specifically Kaminga's participation in the playoffs and you and I agreed that when the playoffs came around the chances of him playing more than 15 minutes was small you know that, that he hadn't really established himself now, I'm not sure that's true. So the question to you is, do you think Jonathan Kaminga will have a game in which he plays more than 20 minutes during this series? That's a great question. And I feel like I have a little bit of an advantage answering it because uh, I'm working on a Kaminga story right now. And I had a like a 15-minute sit-down with him today. Um, and I talked to uh, hey. Jama, his player development coach, yesterday. And the feeling basically is that within the organization is that he will not be in the regular rotation in the playoffs, but there will be a game or two here and there where he will be a major factor. Um, like just the circumstances where it will align and he'll end up, he'll, his athleticism and physical strength will just be super necessary. Yep. And so to answer your question, I do see him playing 20 plus minutes in a game or two in the series i just don't think it'll be a regular thing yeah i i agree with you um and i'm going to steal a point from bill simmons which is embarrassing but i saw either a tweet from him or maybe it was on one of the podcasts whatever it was but what he talked about was the lakers mark you'll remember this when they basically let a very young kobe bryant go during the playoffs and he didn't have unconditional success in fact one of the you know the biggest things we saw was that air ball um but by letting him four do of it, them <laughs> yeah, okay. By letting Kobe do that, 
they gave him real experience early in his career that chances are he leaned on as he became a champion later, you know, down the, down the line. I can see the Warriors doing something similar with Kaminga during these playoffs. Just like Connor was saying, not consistently. It's not going to be like Kobe. They're not going to give it to him every single game. But here and there, when circumstances allow, I can see them giving him a whole lot of rope because the more experience he gets now, the better that experience is going to help him You know, down the line when he is hopefully leading this team. All right, boys, last question. Brass tacks. I'm sure you know what it is. Give me your prediction. Who wins the Golden State-Denver series and in how many games? I got Warriors at six. I, oh, God. But, no, you go ahead, Mark. And by the way, Mark, I got to give Mark a shout-out real quick. Mark had a relatively, like, a pretty in-depth series preview on Denver uh, Golden State. Like, as, as soon as the announcement came out, it felt like. Like, the, the first thing the next morning, I, I Googled it, and he was the only one with an in-depth preview. So props to you, Mark. Were you – did that right. make you competitive, Thanks, Connor? When that happened, when you saw it, were you, I mean, like, not like, fuck. Little you know, you and- because while, when I saw that, I was just starting to work on mine. And I was like, freaking Mark, he's already got no, one out there. Okay. That's exactly <laughs> what I was looking for. Because I know you boys well enough. I know the friendship. I know the, the competitive undertones. And if that's me, Connor, if I, the reason I'm Googling it is because I hope that no one's put a story up yet. And if there's a story up there, not only there, but written by somebody I know, I'd be pissy. You know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd, and I would give it off as a compliment. But in Internally, I mean, you know, I'd be kind of fuck Mark. They didn't have to beat me to the punch. Well, how about this? Uh, make you feel any better, better, Connor? Also, just showing that I'm not going to toot my own horn. I appreciate the compliment, but in fairness, the kind of story it was, it was like a, pre- a playoff preview kind of capsule where it's pretty <laughs> short and sweet. It's just bullet points of certain small things, quick reads. It's I'm sure nothing uh, that matches the depth that Connor's going to have with this uh, Kabinka profile. So I'm looking forward to reading it. I much prefer when you guys fight. This like mutual admiration society. <laughs> yeah, when's I, our I, when's our boxing match going to happen? I mean, yeah, Connor well, keeps ducking me for the last year and a half, right? That would have been in our introductions, but Connor was too busy working, and we would have worked that out then. So I'm saving that for a uh, for a podcast of another time. But give me your brass tacks, boys. Who wins? What's what's the prediction here? I, I'm going to go with, in my official preview, I said Warriors. But that was when I was less confident that Steph would come back for game one. And now that it's looking like Steph's going to come back for game one, um, I'm going to say Warriors in five. Um, I just think that their talent and depth is going to win out. I, I, I just think the Warriors are a better team. I mean, yes, the Nuggets have – a, a legitimate MVP candidate in Jokic, but I think the Warriors are going to be able to at least make life difficult on him with the combo of Draymond and uh, Kavon. And I think that uh, the Nuggets just don't have enough shooting around him to really seriously test the Warriors. So Warriors in five. I was going to say the Warriors yeah, I got- in six. Well, we'll crescendo to you, Mark. I was going to say the Warriors in six, but now that Mark has pointed out how Draymond will be dominating Jokic. And I think he's right about that. I say the way out. I keep that joke to the side. I'm going to stick with six. Warriors in six. Um, and I think the four wins that they get aren't close. And I think the two losses that they sustain are. So it, even though it feels like a closer series when I say six, when we're actually watching it, the feeling will be the Warriors are a much better team.
Yeah, and I, I'm with you, Bram. Warriors and six. Um, here's here's how I see it play out. Draymond's going to be playing Draymond Green type of basketball, but you know the definition of success is different. I mean, he's going to be making Nikola Jokic work for his points. And he's going to help elevate the team defense. He's going to help pinpoint when is it good to make Jokic a scorer or a passer. But the reality is Jokic is still going to be playing out of his mind because that's just been the story of this whole season, that even though he's really the only uh, dependable focal point on that team, uh, he's been very brilliant. But, you know, the Nuggets only have so much depth. And But here's, here's why I think it's going to be six. Uh, you know, the Warriors obviously have a lot of uh, better star talent and more, uh, I think, uh, definitive role players. But I think they're going to actually lose game two. When you look specifically at Steph Curry and any player that's coming off of an injury, usually that second game is when you start seeing their limitations. Like the first game, it's all about the adrenaline rush, the excitement of both that player playing and everyone else rallying around them. So Warriors will take game one. Warriors or uh, Nuggets will get game two. You're going to ha- see a off Steph uh, Curry shooting performance in game two, but then you'll see the Warriors bounce back in game three to even the score, reclaim home court. The Nuggets will get game four because they'll feel desperate to win a home game. And then after that, the Warriors are just going to run the table and close it out. I like that. And what I'll use that as a transition for a reminder to anyone listening to this podcast, if that happens, if the Warriors lose one of the first two games, remember that we're entering hyperbolic season when it comes to NBA coverage during the playoffs, there are never any more large overreactions than after each single game. So if the Warriors do lose one of those first two games and everyone is exploding about whatever it is, you know, Steph maybe is more limited or Clay's lost a step, whatever it is, be patient because if the Warriors win the next one, that entire news cycle will flip. You know, there, there's going to be nothing but hyperbolic reactions. Gentlemen, I love this. Really appreciate having both of you boys on. I know how many polls there are on your guys' time, both of you right now, so I appreciate it. And I also know I'm not the only one who needs both more Letourneau and Medina in our lives. Boys, where should we go to get more of that coverage? Uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron. Uh, read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. Um, you know, I know I've been in a sports enterprise role and kind of roving around all Area sports for a while now. But uh, now that we're in playoff season with the Warriors, I'm going to be on the Warriors grind every day with our beat writer, CJ Holmes. I'll be on the road and all that good stuff. So follow along. Yeah, the, I'm with NBA.com. Just go to NBA.com, Twitter handle Mark G underscore Medina. My role is a little bit different than Connor's, but Connor's, but I'll be there for games one and two of the Warriors' uh, first-round series against the Nuggets. And then it's really fluid. I'm going to be handling a lot of other things in the Western Conference, but I think it's safe to say uh, that I'll be back uh, covering other Warrior games throughout this playoff journey, so it should be fun. Yeah, we'll be here. You guys know where to find us. If you want to get me a question for next week's episode, let me know we did a good job, bad job, any job. Shoot us an email. It's huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Our only social media presence is Twitter. There we are at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week.
Good, good. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.